Taking a tour of the NL Central in 2019 is no small task, but that is exactly what the Philadelphia Phillies have done as of late. On a road trip, they went 4-3 and three through the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers. Now they head home to take on the scuffling St. Louis Cardinals, who sit at 500 on the season after failing to win back-to-back -back games in the entire month of May so far. Monday's off day gives the Cardinals a chance to reset, it gives the Phillies a chance to rest at home, and honestly, I have no idea what we're about to see between the Phillies and the Cardinals. What's up everybody, I'm Tara Wellman. Thanks for checking out another series preview here on Bird Seeds. If we have not met, if this is your first time here, hello, welcome. I cover the St. Louis Cardinals for birdsonthablack.com, bringing you game recaps and series previews every week. My goal is always to keep you in the loop and entertained. So joining me to inform you and entertain you to talk all things Phillies right now is Hunter Brody. Hunter, first of all, thank you so much for joining me. This series between the Phillies and the Cardinals is coming at sort of a weird time for the Cardinals, but man, the, the Phillies have seen the NL Central a lot as of late. So thanks for hopping in and, and uh, talking about this series. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I could talk about the Phillies all day long. It, it's a sick disease, but it's cool. I'm cool with it. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, we do this to ourselves. We get we get so invested and then, then can't help but ride the wave throughout the season. Um, okay, so the road trip for the Phillies. They're coming off of, obviously, meeting the Cardinals at home in Philadelphia. But you just saw the Cubs. You just saw the Brewers. Those two teams are at the top of the division. Both teams very tough in very different ways. So maybe let's start there. What's your takeaway from what you saw watching the Phillies play the Cubs and the Brewers? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a tough stretch to go into Chicago and Milwaukee as they're both solid squads. And we split two and two with the Chicago Cubs, which isn't bad when you take a look at it, but we totally let one slip away there in game two. We should have been up 3-1 in the series, so it doesn't feel as good. Going into it, I would have taken the split all day long, but we did blow an opportunity, and then we took two of three in Milwaukee. So overall, four and three series there and it's not bad you'll take four and three on the road but it just stings because it, it could have been five and two so being a little bit greedy but you know it, that's what it should have been it definitely should have been that yeah those are two teams that uh, the Cardinals have seen a lot more of the Brewers than of the Cubs so far the the Cardinals Cubs series did not go well as far as the Cardinals are concerned they got swept in that first series at Wrigley and that's a series that always feels like there's you know, that one moment that it all hinges on. And so, you know, those games that slip away, you're thinking, okay, that one decision or that one play is is the reason for it. What kind of, when you look at that series in particular, because the Cubs are, they're a great team. They've got a lot of pieces that make them competitive no matter who they're playing. What was it that, whether it was the game that got away or, you know, in the games that, that the Phillies did win that made the difference? Whew. That's a good question. I don't even know because at, at the that series was so emotional. That was one of those series where you're sitting there and it highs and lows to the extreme. Even the last game, we were up 7 nothing. We win 9-7 in the last three <laughs> innings. They scored seven runs. I'm sitting there like, this is unbelievable. But I guess at the end of the day, when you take a look at it, our offense was able to produce. And, and that was the reason because on paper, we've been screaming as Phillies fans that this lineup is so powerful and it's so juicy in the middle that it's it's going to be the difference maker every night. And it hasn't lived up to that number of expectations. So I guess when we saw the offense be as lethal as we expected them to be throughout 
the whole entire season. I think that was the difference maker in that series. I actually did get a question from someone on Twitter for this preview, and they asked if you feel like this is the best lineup in the National League. It it has the potential to be. It should be. It should be when you look at it on paper. But I'm sure we're getting into a little bit of the Bryce Harper woes, if you will. And there's some guys where it seems like two guys are on at the same time, and then three guys are off. And then when those three guys get going, those first two guys are off, and we can't have like one through six on fire at the same time. Yeah, you mentioned Bryce Harper. I do want to talk about that because the first time the Cardinals and the Phillies saw each other this season, we were at that point talking about, well, slow start for Bryce Harper. You see flashes of it, but he's not quite the Bryce Harper you expect him to be. Still the case. Still not consistently, at least, the Bryce Harper that everyone everyone knew was going to be the greatest, you know, off-season acquisition for whichever team was able to land him. So what is it that's still going on with Bryce Harper right now? He looks overpowered by the fastball. There's no denying that, and that's really bad. I mean, that's something that he needs to adjust with himself. He needs to find a way to adjust to the fastball and and figure that out. But the one narrative I hate here, I'm just going to throw it out there, the, oh, he's not worth it. You wasted all your money. Like, relax. First off, it's baseball, and money really doesn't matter if you're willing to go over the luxury tax as it is. And knowing how big the paydays are, $25 $25 million, that sounds ridiculous for me to say right now, but it's not like that brutal of a, a hit on the on the money there on the book. So he, he makes your lineup better regardless, and I do firmly believe that him in the lineup is why Reese Hoskins is having such a successful year. I know we didn't pay him that much money for other players to do better, but that is reality. So going back to him, he is just overpowered when it comes to the fastball, which is a little bit concerning because he should be able to to whack that. But his OBP is still solid at 355. So he's first in the league in strikeouts with 73, but he's tied with fourth in walks with 37. So it kind of evens out to an extent, but it is a little underwhelming seeing him strike out so much. One thing about Bryce Harper that I always find interesting is that his his swing itself is so complicated that I feel like if anything's a little bit off, if it's a matter of timing on on the fastball or, or whatever it is, it's like, it's a process <laughs> to yeah. sort through that and figure out what tiny little thing in that whole complicated swing he can actually change to get it right. So that's, you know, we want him to just fix it like that, right? But it's, he's got a lot going on there to try to sort through. <laughs> no, no, that, that's absolutely so true. But He's 26 years old. He doesn't hurt your team, you know, for the for the fact that he struggled. His name is so big, and people are like, oh, he's never going to hit 300. I never sat here and expected him to hit 300. I was hoping you know, 270-ish with a lot of dingers. That's what I expected. So, yeah, his name is going to create a lot of controversy with how much he's striking out and all that, but we're nine games over 500 right now, and he's going to be fine here, I promise you. I hope so. Everyone everyone, uh, in Philadelphia hopes you're right, I think. Um, (laughs) Paul Goldschmidt was the Cardinals' big acquisition. He's also struggling with fastballs this year, which was part of what was his issue last year in his rough May as well. Um, You don't like to see that duplicating itself a second season, but here we are, another another rough May for Paul Goldschmidt. He's sort of... He's sort of uh, made some improvements here as of late, but very quietly. The power's really not there. He's not getting a lot of opportunities with runners on base, so he's not driving in a whole lot of runs, which is what you expect from Paul Goldschmidt. But uh, very familiar with the idea that somehow this MVP quality hitter is struggling against fastballs right now. And that's um, 
that's a frustrating thing to hear, even if it's, you know, not super unusual. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because when I was earlier in the season, I think it might have been the series we played with each other. Someone was commenting constantly on every video, like Paul Goldschmidt's greater than Bryce Harper. You guys are so stupid. And I'm like, I'm not knocking that Paul Goldschmidt's bad. Like, why is that? Why does it have to be compared? Why can't they both be good signings? You know, even though that they're struggling with the fastball, they're both great pickups for the for the squads. Yeah, both guys who can put up MVP type numbers, even if it's in different ways and, and their strengths are different. Okay, so outside of Bryce Harper, you mentioned the offense really clicking in this road trip. Who's the who's the guy right now that you're the most impressed by? Is it Reese Hoskins and the year that he's put together, or is there someone else who recently has been kind of turning it up a notch? Well, Reese Hoskins was so solid and then the last maybe two weeks it's been in an ugly form so we're starting to wait for him to get out which he did hit two homers in two games so maybe this is the spark but Gene Segura is an all-around all season long he's been so great he, he finds a way to hit it's ridiculous infield singles that's not a thing in this league anymore this guy will do anything but there's also guys like Cesar Hernandez who is hitting over 300 right now and it's unbelievable this guy uh, realistically we've been booing him out of the the city which we do a lot in in a, in a lovely fashion may I add but we boo him out of town he stinks get him out of here we want Scott Kingery and now he's hitting 300 we're sitting there clapping every single at bat we love the guy to death so I feel like Gene Segura Cesar Hernandez and then Andrew McCutcheon has just been so solid at the top of the lineup in the in the one spot he has been sparking this team up so during that stretch it's it's been those three guys that really stepped up and been a difference that McCutcheon edition was one that kind of caught me off guard when it happened, but man, he's looked like a really, really good piece just because, you know, maybe he doesn't have the, the flash of a Bryce Harper, but he can be so consistent and he's been there, done that. He knows the drill um, and to have someone with that sort of consistency, I think was, was a really quiet, but impressive pickup. Um, someone did ask me about Kingery and, and what your take is on him and, and what he's done this season. Well, there's no doubt he looks a lot better than what he did last year. He was just overmatched at the plate insanely. My eyes were bleeding watching Scott Kingery bat last year. It was Scott 0-2 Kingery. Every time this kid was up the bat, he was 0-2 count. I'm sitting there, you got to be kidding me. But I, I think we hopped in too quickly and, oh, let's add this guy. Let's pay him all this money, this young kid. But I will say, this year he looks solid and he deserves to play. Odubo Herrera is struggling. We're putting him out in center field. Or if Michael Franco is struggling, we'll put him at third base. He can play anywhere. He needs help in the outfield. It's obviously not his natural position, but that's not his fault. But I've been really impressed with Scott Kingery this year. If you compare it to just last year alone, he's clearly been an upgraded version of himself, which is awesome to see at such a young age with not that much experience. It's nice to have the offense that can kind of carry you, especially if there are any questions as far as the pitching is concerned. There have been some changes to the rotation since the last time the Cardinals and the Phillies saw each other. Uh, looking at the starters that we'll see in this series for the Cardinals, it'll be Adam Wainwright, followed by Genesis Cabrera, which is a new experience for all of us. We'll see how oh, that goes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going um, through the same thing here, the new experiences, and I don't know how I like it, but yeah, go ahead. Well, who, who well, the, the third starter for the Cardinals will be Dakota Hudson, uh, but let's talk about who we'll see for the Phillies, because um, Pivetta is going to be in that mix for the Phillies, which is a choice. <laughs> That's the thing that the Phillies have, have opted to do. Last time around, the Cardinals saw Velasquez in that spot. Uh, now you're going to see Pavetta. Tell me, tell me about that because this is he's back in the rotation after spending some time at AAA. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm anti Nick Pavetta. I I despise Nick Pavetta. He's just like Vin Velasquez. How long are we going to sit here and say, "Well, this is Nick Pavetta's year, breakout Nick Pavetta"? That's all I heard all off season long. This kid comes in and stinks. I'm anti Nick Pavetta. I don't want to see him in there, and it pisses me off that he's getting another start. I'll be honest with you. We this should tell the organization. I don't know. Let's go make a damn move. Whether it's Dallas Keuchel, which everyone's you know, screaming about or whatever. I can't stand this experiment anymore with Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez. And you're even going to see Jared Eikhoff and he stinks too. Stinks. I believe though, the last time these two teams faced each other, Eikhoff shut down the Cardinals, which was he had, bizarre. Yeah, he did. He, but... did. he had two good starts. And now every time he plays <laughs> one, seven balls leave the ballpark. I'm telling you, he's getting rocked. I can't stand it. Well, I'm, I'm brutal. I'm brutal. But you know what? I want to win, damn it. <laughs> if uh, if the the um, narrative holds true, the Cardinals will fix that for him. And then he'll have like four great starts in a row. So you're welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so like I said, Wayno versus Pavetta in that first start, uh, which is an, an interesting choice. I, I mean... Starting pitching is maybe less important than it used to be for some teams, but still, you gotta you gotta get off on the right foot there. Um, in that second game, Henesis Cabrera getting the start for the Cardinals. This is a guy who has a lot of potential, but has kind of been well, not kind of. He's really been under the radar as far as what he's done this season. He got off to a really rough start, had some weird mechanical things going on. Seems to have ironed that out. Um, comes in as a as a powerful lefty which is an interesting thing all to itself but quite honestly I have no idea what to expect I have no idea um you know how long they expect him to stay in the rotation he's in that spot in place of Michael Walker who was just absolutely awful all year so far um and facing off against Aaron Nola is uh no no small task for the young guy <laughs> yeah well listen it's not like Aaron Nola has been Aaron Nola this season he's been struggling so much I think so far out of all of his starts, there's two that I sit there and say, well, that looked like Aaron Nola from last year. So other than that, he's been grinding just as much. That's why with this pitching staff as a whole, I sit there and I say, I don't, I can't tell you on any given night that someone's going to pitch solid. And that's even Jake Arrieta. And that's Nola, Eflin, all around. So Nola can go out there and get rocked. He's been getting destroyed with the long ball as well. So, I mean, who knows? He's been something that's just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Yeah, certainly question marks all around. The same thing for Dakota Hudson. He's a guy that can look like he has absolutely no business in a major league rotation, and then he can, you know, shut down that same lineup in five of the six innings he pitches. He'll just give up, you know, nine runs in the one inning or something crazy like that. He's actually looked much better the last couple of times. I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. I'm I'm not totally sold on the Dakota Hudson experiment, but uh, he has... He has made some improvements. And then, again, that'll be against Eikhoff, who um, didn't have a great start last time out. Only went, like, three innings, I think, in uh, in his last start. So, uh, like I said, maybe this will be the, <laughs> the series that fixes that for him. But, um, nonetheless, it's... Uh, it's it's an interesting time of year, I think, and I'm sure you can appreciate this as well, to be so unsure of the starting rotation. And not just of like one or two guys in the starting rotation, but all five. You never really know what you're going to get. And at this point, I don't know, I feel like really good teams kind of have a better handle on the starting rotation at this point. Yeah, which is fun. This backpacks right into something I want to talk about. Like, for Philadelphia sports fans, last year we were solid with the Phillies, but no one believed. We're sitting there saying, this is not real. We're going to somehow blow up. Well, that's exactly what happened. We blew up. 
Now we're 31 and 22, and we have a real squad. But this, we this is like the most frustrating 31 and 22 I could have ever imagined. <laughs> and this fan base is screaming their heads off about it. But uh, this team is legit, so it's crazy. And the one thing that we we scream about the most is, oh, this bullpen is atrocious. We have no closer. And when you look at statistically where this bullpen is, top ten in the MLB. But it doesn't. It's perceived as such a gross disturbing thing and it's just funny that we're 31 and 22 we don't know what we're going to get out of our starting pitching every night we scream about the bullpen well I mean where are I don't know maybe that just describes this fan base as a whole I don't know but it's just crazy that this is where we are right now it's it's just wild do you think because I'm, I'm fascinated by this bullpen conversation every time I do one of these previews I feel like I've never done one where somebody's like, you know, what's been solid is our bullpen. <laughs> um, because it's always, I mean, every, everyone's bullpen has maybe like a couple of pieces that you feel comfortable with and everything else is a little bit of a toss up. Um, but the Cardinals are in a similar situation where they don't really have like the big name closer. I mean, they got Andrew Miller, but he's been sort of a shell of Andrew Miller, right? Um, so if you don't have the name that's supposed to be the 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 closer that everyone wants, does that sort of lend itself to this this idea that where like people assume the bullpen's not that great, even if it's actually been okay because it doesn't have the pieces that you think it needs to have? <laughs> well, we run this stupid thing called closer by committee, so we just throw anyone out there, and it's a joke. And I just I disagree with that. But we're starting to settle in with more roles. And yeah, I mean that that maybe that's that doesn't help that you're just throwing guys out there and people are like, oh, well, why the hell is Adam Morgan out there? He's not Craig Kimbrell, which everyone screams for. And I sit here and say, yeah, he's a great name, but let's not act like this guy shut out everyone last year in the playoffs. I remember watching Boston and, and cringe a little bit because Kimbrell was somewhat shaky. You know, he's obviously going to help a lot of bullpens, but I'm just saying that to act like, and it's the same thing with Keuchel. For anyone even trying to go out and get anyone, let's not act like the, their number have been rising if anything every single one of their numbers have been going down like this so to scream for people for the bullpen it doesn't mean that they're going to come down and just shut everyone out but you take a look at the Cubs and you take a look at the Braves and you take a look at a lot of good teams around this league I think you guys even blew one last night I needed a little bit of help there and you screwed me <laughs> for the Braves everyone blows saves there's not going to be a team where they just never blow saves it's just how you limit those I guess you will yeah, and that's that's always the the um, risk you run, right? With trying to manage a bullpen and figure out how to work those innings, and it's been a strange stretch for the Cardinals. You mentioned Jordan Hicks blew a save last night. I want to say it was like his third save attempt in the entire month of May, or something ridiculous like that. Because they're not they're not leading at the end of the games, so Jordan Hicks isn't getting a chance to to pitch. So it's been a weird stretch for him for sure. Um, but overall, the Cardinals bullpen has been pretty strong with a cast of characters that no one really anticipated, right? Who's John Gant? Most people don't know who John Gant or John Brebbia or uh, Giovanni Gallegos. They don't know these names as shutdown bullpen guys, but that's sort of what they've been for this team, along with Jordan Hicks and Andrew Miller, of course. Um, when you have a mix like this, when you have pitching that's struggling, I find that a lot of that falls on the shoulders of the manager, or at least the the blame does, right? Right or wrong, if it works he doesn't get the praise, but if it doesn't work, he certainly gets the blame. Gabe Kapler's right in the middle of that, right? With what he does and how he does it. And when it doesn't work, it seems to just really explode in his face. <laughs> yeah, Gabe Kapler was actually abysmal last year. Like, I, I've never seen a worse manager in baseball. Then I said, you know what, this year, we got new people, we got a new lineup. 
Last year, I think we had 75,000 different lineups every day. We're rocking with the same lineup. We're doing this. And he had that Cub series. I'm sitting there and I'm stunned. How can you be that bad at choosing your spots on pitching change? He was so garbage in that Cubs series. But other than that, he's been pretty good this year. My problem is, and it's not his fault, it's the whole management with the analytics. He just does what he's told to do in specific situations. You can't use analytics as a Bible and make every move based off analytics. You need the gut feeling at times. They just run everything solely off of numbers, and it's costed us a few games here. And Gabe Kapler does get a lot of criticism, and that Cubs series has put everyone back on the Gabe Kapler uh, question mark, if you will. But he, you know, he, he was so bad last year. I have to give him credit that I've seen better adjustments this season. But that Cubs series was so bad, I don't even know where I stand with him right now. It's funny because it's, you know, almost the opposite story with Mike Schilt for the Cardinals in that he likes to talk about the analytics. He likes to, you know, use them to explain some things that happen or don't happen, but he's not managing based on that really at all. I mean, he came in and was kind of this guy who was going to be this great mix of sort of new school, old school most of his in-game decisions are very old school, and it's got a lot of people pretty frustrated, particularly in this last stretch where, you know, they've not won back-to-back -back games in the entire month of May. Wow. And, you know, he's obviously not pulling the right strings. There's a, the whole argument about how much of that is on the manager, how much of it is just poor execution. I don't know that there's ever going to be a good way to answer that, but... You know, a lot of the decisions he's made, particularly in the last couple of games, as far as the bullpen are concerned don't really seem to follow the trajectory that they they wanted him to to follow. So um, kind of similar, uh, similarly upset fans, <laughs> but for the opposite reasons as far as the manager is concerned. So this uh, this could be a very interesting series with some <laughs> some pretty disgruntled fan bases, I think, at this point. Although, I mean, Cardinals sitting at, at 26 and 26, I think we have a little bit more um, of a problem on our hands at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, like, as a fan base and you specifically, 26 and 26, there's no way that feels good right now, especially with the way the division is going. So, I mean, how do you feel sitting there every night watching games like last night happen? I could only, I mean, I sit there, and if last night happened for the Phillies sitting at 31 and 22, I'm throwing haymakers, you know, not at the TV, but just by myself, giving some of these, making sure the dog's not in the way. Uh, how, how do you feel sitting there doing it? It's, it's frustrating, and it's more frustrating because the first 30 games of the year, they started off on that 20-10 and 10 pace. So we saw really good baseball from them. And what's even more frustrating is that they won. They went 20-10 and 10 in the first 30 games, and their starting pitching wasn't good. Their two, top two guys in the lineup, Matt Carpenter and Paul Goldschmidt, weren't really hitting. Um, and Yadier Molina wasn't much of a factor, at least offensively. So you kind of anticipated, wow, they got off to this great start, and there were still all these things that weren't going well. It's going to get better not worse um, well see that's well, you mentioned that and that's how we feel right now with Bryce Harper it's there's something where I, I, I'm spitballing off the top of my head but if Bryce Harper is held hitless we're 12 and 11 and I know that doesn't sound like a ridiculous record but we're over you know we're 12 and 11 isn't horrendous when Bryce Harper goes hitless he's our third hitter so it, it's we sit here and say well whew, when Bryce gets going we're really going to pick it up and be a different ball club so we kind of have the same. That's the hope. Yeah. And then yeah. you don't win back-to-back -back games in the entire month of May. I don't know how that happens. Um, but, you know, it's, it's weird. And it's, it's certainly frustrating to watch, especially a game like last night where they really had it in the bag. And I, I don't – I think part of well, the problem with Jordan had, Higgs 
You guys had what two hits when you were up three nothing? Yeah. It was a Sunday night baseball game, so I yeah. tuned in a little bit. Two hits and went to three nothing. There's only so long you can carry that on for. Right. Yeah. And and it's been. I mean, the starting pitching hasn't been great. It's been better in the last week. Um, but then the offense hasn't really kept up. And when you have a lineup that's Matt Carpenter and Paul Goldschmidt, Paul DeYoung has been a revelation. He's been the only thing that's been consistently good about that lineup. But then you have Marcelo Zuna, who's like lighting the world on fire or basically non-existent. Um, you know, you have guys that should be able to to put runs on the board. And we saw them do it in that 20 and 10 stretch. They're just not doing it now. So you see a game like last night, you see them completely incapable of creating offense when they have opportunities. Um, and then you see Jordan Hicks, who I think the problem is he just, he hasn't pitched. <laughs> He's not sharp because he hasn't pitched, um, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating in a really, like, I don't even know how I'm supposed to react to it because it's not like you can put your finger on one thing and be like, well, this is the guy. They need to just stop putting him out there. It's a different thing every night. Um, and it's not, Jed Jerko was saying the other day, it's not like they're kicking the ball around on defense. It's not like they're running into outs on the bases. They're creating opportunities. They're just not capitalizing on them. And that's a weird position to be in because, you know, how do you fix that, right? You're, right. You have the opportunities. They're all there. You're just not doing anything with them. And that's what, to me, is the most frustrating part of, of this stretch for the Cardinals right now. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it could be worse. You could not have any situations. And then it's you just need to figure out how to get that timely hit or to execute or whatever. But you have the St. Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup. Obviously, I'm a hockey guy. I grew up there in, you go. There you life go. in college. <laughs> hockey guy. Uh, listen, I hate Boston sports with a passion, so of course I'm going with the St. Louis Blues here. And you know what? I, just a little sidetrack here. I think they can do it. I really there's there's always that feeling where the team just like has it, whatever the hell it is. And uh, and hockey's one of those sports where it doesn't really matter based on skill. It can anything. It can happen. Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very new to the hockey world. Um, okay. I've always kind of been that outside like. I, I like hockey, but I've never really been super into it. Um, so I kind of made the the conscious choice to follow the, this Blues team, and now I obviously can't stop. <laughs> um, but you, it's it's exciting, and it's a great distraction from what's going on on the baseball field. So that's a that's a nice thing to have. But yeah, it is. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot of um, context to speak from as far as how this team compares, but. <laughs> Man, I've, I've watched them do some pretty crazy things, pull off some wins that, that nobody thought they should have. And it's, you know, you see them do something like that a couple of times and you feel like, well, there's something there's something going on there for sure. So, yeah, that's that's exciting, um, even as a, a very new hockey fan. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, that's the same thing you mentioned, it distracting you. We had the Sixers go on this amazing run and no one was really talking about the Phillies. And now that there's no basketball, people are dialed in on every pitch. Like now we're it's a three two count and we're missing the strike. So we're screaming at the pitcher for one pitch. But yeah, luckily, <laughs> two, three weeks ago, that pitcher would have never even been noticed that he had a bad pitch on that one at bat, you know, so. Yeah. I was I was doing a I was doing a game recap this morning and and the conclusion was at least there's the blues for now yeah. but eventually the Cardinals are going to have a lot of explaining to do if they can't figure out how to win back to back games they haven't won a series in the entire month of May wow that's um, <laughs> and it's and, a weird spot though because everyone always says ah oh, well it's only early May right. or oh, it's only late May it's not baseball season yet but I mean what's the difference from a game in May than a game in July it's the same thing. I was doing a podcast last week and um, my co-host on the podcast was was throwing out some numbers. And, you know, when you start to look at it and think, okay, it is going to take 
92 wins to to get to the postseason. I don't know. This division's a little crazy, so it might not take that many. You might have somebody who rattles off a, a stretch where they end up with 98 wins for all I know. But you know, if you kind of that 92 wins feels like a pretty good mark. If you look at where the Cardinals are now and the pace they have to play to to get to 92 wins from here on, it's insane because right now this team doesn't look like they can they can keep up with that pace. So you're right. It's a weird spot in the season to feel like the, there's no reason to panic. They're like four and a half games out in the division right now. That's that's nothing in May. But <laughs> a lot of things have to start going right. Um, you know, it's uh, it, Phillies fans can play that same game. You've seen this all play out, right? You've seen a team that you feel like maybe there's something here, but you got to actually turn it on and, and start doing something with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for the series. I hate, I love it and I hate it when there's an off day because after playing 17 days in a row, it's like, okay, you know what? They need it. But as a sports fan, I'm like, yo, what are you doing? I got something. I got nothing to do tonight. I got to know what am I supposed to do with my life? <laughs> Bro, you got the blues on. Yeah, there, yeah. Yeah. Come on. You got I the do. Blues. I do. <laughs> yeah. You can also watch because. No, of it's course I'm watching. You kidding me? I'm a sports fan. <laughs> I'm watching everything. I watch tennis. I watch golf. You name it. I'm watching. There you go. All right. Well, we'll have plenty of baseball to watch this weekend as well. Hey, where can people find you and follow you and ask you all the Phillies questions that I didn't ask you today? Okay. On Twitter, at Broads81, B-R-O-D-E-S 81. And the YouTube channel is Sports Talk with Broads. Nice and simple. All right. All right. Like, I always also just keep everything to my name, basically. Yeah, that's <laughs> Probably easy. so that I remember what it is when people ask me. How can What's we find it? What is it again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All awesome. right. Well, I appreciate your time today. Enjoy the rest of your holiday and looking forward to the series. Absolutely. You too. Well, I got to say, as far as the Cardinals are concerned, it's strange to call any team in the month of May desperate, but... A 500 team that was billed as a postseason contender and perhaps the best team in the division? Yes, they're desperate. For a win, for back-to-back -back wins, for a series win, for guys to get their footing, there's a desperation to be sure for the Cardinals this week in Philly. As for the Phillies, still looking to gain some ground on their own. The Braves are on fire. The Phillies need to keep doing their thing, and they would very much like for Bryce Harper to start looking like the Bryce Harper that is in fact worth the $25 million a year. So lots to watch out for in this series. Make sure you're following Hunter and his coverage. YouTuber to YouTuber, I appreciate the daily content that you put out there, Hunter. I, I know that grind and it's great for Philadelphia sports fans to have that voice here on the internet. So make sure you're following Hunter. Make sure that you are following me on Twitter. Subscribe to the channel, check out all the analysis and coverage over at birdsontheblack.com, and then come back here for game recaps throughout the series, as well as more series previews as we go along through the summer. Hopefully it's not raining where you are, because I'm convinced it's never going to stop raining where I am, but as I wait out the storm, enjoy the baseball. I'll see you next time.